It's fantastic um, to welcome. I have the great honor of welcoming Chris Killiard to come talk to us, the Law Tech Center at UVA Law, um, to our fellows, um, to friends of the UVA Law community. It, this is, I, I'm pretty giddy. I have to say it's my first time meeting Chris, though we have been dear friends and he's inspired me for years now. So um, welcome, Chris. Chris is, let me just give you by way of background, Chris Gilliard is part of the inaugural class of uh, tech, Just Tech Fellows um, for the Social Science Research Council, which really gives him the time and space to write. Um, he is an author. He is a thinker. He is a, a provocateur in the most extraordinary way. He gets us thinking about the sort of downsides of surveillance technologies, their pervasiveness. Uh, and um, he, I hear Chris all the time whenever I talk to students and in my writing, um, your voice is powerful. So Chris, it's so exciting to have you here um, to talk to us about luxury surveillance uh, and the, your new book project. Um, you know, so welcome. Can you tell him so? Also, by the way, everybody knows you, Chris, uh, hyper at hypervisible on Twitter. I feel like your your fan club is huge, uh, and so uh, so folks, if you don't know Chris Gilliard, he's also at hypervisible on Twitter. Um, so, Chris, welcome. Thank I'm so you. excited to have you. And thanks for that introduction. Um, I mean, I yeah, I uh, the 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 fan feeling is mutual. So I I really appreciate everything you've said um just now but I also you know like I've been following your work for a really long time and uh yeah I'm, I'm just I'm really pleased to be here thank you thank you so much um so Chris tell us a little bit about you know what you're doing during this time that you have um as a Just Tech fellow um and because I, I think that helps open us up to you know the the book project and luxury surveillance and what luxury surveillance is, what the risks are, and on whom it falls. Um, so I open it to you. I'm so excited to hear about your project. Yeah. So as, as you mentioned, I'm I'm part of the inaugural cohort of the Just Tech Fellows. Um, I am. I mean, what it's so I, I what a lot of people don't know. I don't think is that um, yeah. everything I've been doing up until now. I've also I've been doing while also a full-time faculty at a community college. Yeah. Um, so, you know, teaching 10 courses a, a year. Oh uh, yeah. Holy, <laughs> so, 10 courses a year? Yeah. Um, You're amazing. So That's all this, I have to say. <laughs> so this um, <laughs> fellowship wow. has been, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I'm not being hyperbolic to say it's been amazing. Um, yeah. It's just given me the, you know, first of all, like um, support. Um, yeah you know, institutionally, but also with uh, some amazing colleagues uh, and leadership. Yeah. Um, just give, but give me the opportunity to, to read and write and, um, you know, think about this stuff yeah. more exclusively, you know. Yeah. Without um, having to teach 10 classes. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Uh, so yeah, it's just, it's been wonderful. It's just, yeah. How did you do all that writing brutal. that you did do, right? I, there isn't a time where I'm not like, where is it? Where's a Chris Gilliard op-ed that's going to inspire me and make me mad too? Like, cause the tech is making me mad and then the pervasive surveillance, but like, so you, so everyone should know I left this part out, but, but Chris has written in the Atlantic wired this countless times, right? I'm just, not just once fast company, vice, 
Educause, like many, many outlets. So that's incredible that the whole time as you were doing all of that, you were teaching many, many loads, right? Yeah. Um, You know what? I guess uh, I didn't realize it was how much work I was doing until I wasn't doing it. Um, Yeah. yeah, I, I just didn't, you know, what I thought that was kind of normal, you know, to do that. Yeah, of course. Yes, because your colleagues are all running around doing that. And I'm so glad this gives you the time. Also, that amazing cohort to talk to, but also the time, space, and financial support to do this work. You just like can sit down and write, right? And think and talk. Yeah, it's yeah. That's the scoop. Like it's giving you that time to do that. I'm I'm so fortunate. Like I just yeah, it's it's been fantastic. Oh, I'm so glad. Okay, so now tell us the the concept luxury surveillance. Tell us what that means. And of course, let's, I'm going to bug you about, of course, the the implications and where this book project, you know, is going and you're thinking as it develops over time. So I made this, what I thought, like kind of cast offline a long time ago, um, which in which I compared Apple watches and Fitbits to ankle monitors. And to me, it's a very, like, is to me it was a very mundane observation right i assumed everyone thought that right yeah. <laughs> like i yeah. would i like that's what i think when i see them like they yeah. look like ankle monitors to me i mean there's some aesthetic developments both with um you know the the carceral tracking devices but also with the um supposedly non-carceral ones you know yeah. Put out by Apple and Google. There's yeah. some aesthetic like developments, right? Ourselves, right? <laughs> yeah. There's some aesthetic developments that have kind of like made like drawn them closer to each other just in yeah. the way they look. Yeah. But just but in terms of functionality, um, yeah. they do many of the same things, you know. And, and in fact, the the running joke I have, yeah. you know, it's just what is the difference between an ankle monitor and a Fitbit, right? Or an Apple Watch. And the joke is that one of them collects a lot more data. Yeah. Um, but it's the Apple Watch, not the Apple Totally. Watch. Yes. And that and, would shock people, right? Like they stop, you stop them in your their tracks. Yeah. And so I way. thought this was a very kind of quotidian observation, but um, it seemed to resonate with people. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I began to kind of talk about it more yeah. and um, developed kind of what I call um, this idea about luxury surveillance, which um, if, I, if I can kind of put it into a small box, it's the way that certain devices, um, you know, and we can think about Apple Watches and Fitbits. I mean, I, I put ring doorbells in there. Yep. Um, a lot of Amazon devices like the the Halo Rise and, and things like that, the Aura Ring. Um, can you, can we pause on that for a second? Because yeah, you make yeah. some profound points about the way in which ring devices that people are buying and then the apps that you know, they're using with it and the kind of surveillance society that some people are immune from, that is the owners in many ways, right? And then, you know, so there is a disproportionate, like how the, the harms and the vulnerabilities that the Ring camera creates is so profound. Um, so could you elaborate on that a little bit? Because, you know, you might think, okay, my Fitbit, which, you know, you and I are going to think, that's pretty dangerous for women now post jobs, right? All the ways in which our, our reproductive health data can be misused and freely gotten. But the ring camera 
is this development that people seized on, right? And yeah. that I think we haven't, you help us think through what the implications are for society, for vulnerable groups that you've been thinking about for a really long time. Yeah. So there's two stories I tell and um, I'll tell them really quickly. Um, but I was reminded, um, I recorded a, a podcast or I did a recording for a Amnesty International podcast that dropped um, yesterday. Oh, and nice. so I was reminded of this one story. So I have a friend who lives in, in Beverly Hills, California. And he got a, he got a, a ring doorbell. <laughs> and uh, I mean, he knows me and he knows my stuff. And, you know, I encouraged him not to get it, but he got it. And what was really interesting was how it immediately turned him into a cop. You know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. he was, oh, there's this person was standing outside my house and this person was walking down the street and like the whole thing, you know, he started sending me little snippets of videos Hmm. and, you know, should I call the police about this person? You know, they lingered a little bit too long and all these things. Right. But it, so it not only, you know, so it, and in that way, it's like doing what it's supposed to do. It's like normalizing the mini panopticon, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And also, yeah, um, it produces a lot of anxiety because yes. normally people this walking down the street, I yeah, mean, for the normal. most part, yeah, I mean, they don't, they don't produce anxiety. I mean, I hope, I hope they don't, right? In yeah. most cases, just they're just people walking or biking down That's the right. street, but the device is working exactly as, as mm-hmm. it's supposed to. The other example I, I give. Can is, we linger on that thought for a little? Cause I think you made yeah. your insight about sort of a culture of fear that these cameras generate. That is, we don't come to this place from a, a place of fear and anxiety, but the cameras create it. And that's cultural, right? And that's creating an us and them in ways, at least I'm, this is what you say, I'm, I'm taking this from your work, Chris, but it, you make an important point about how it, create, it creates a culture of fear, one that isn't there before. Uh, just, just to linger on that insight of yours for a yeah. second. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I just, you know, it was very clear to witness um, yeah. that. Uh, and so the one of the reasons I say it's doing what it's supposed to yes. is the um, that culture and that anxiety that's produced makes you it's it's a it creates a loop. Right. Then you want to check it more often Then you feel as if it's doing the thing it's, you know, that you want it to do, which is keeping you safe. Right. Even though there's no empirical evidence that it does that um and so but it it then um encourages people to buy more devices you know and so then amazon has a drone that flies around your house and a robot that scoots around your house and you know links your device to other devices and links that those devices to a fusion station you know downtown like all these things right so these are not um these are not unrelated and the other thing to mention when we think about this, totally. yes. talk about this, is this initially it was basically Amazon's way to um, uh, cut their losses when there's package theft. Right? Oh, such a good right. That's really <laughs> right. important to underscore. Like who's yeah. really profiting in all of this besides the terrible stuff that's happening to society, right? This right. was a, this was a profit motivated. That was like there's theft, and they exactly. don't want to have to pay for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. because previously. If I got something delivered and it was taken before I got home or brought it inside, Amazon was on the hook. Mm-hmm. And now they are not. 
<laughs> and so, you know, talk about like a <laughs> evil genius, you know, or, or as you would say, every iteration that a tech company thinks up is the next iteration is worse than the one before. I have that on my yeah. laptop. I wish I could, I would show it to our students. <laughs> I, I mean, have, I have, I have t-shirts. Okay. Yes. I don't make money from these. Right? No, I know I, you don't because <laughs> you sent me. Right? Yeah. I don't make money from these, but I do have t-shirts. Um, so if anyone wants one, um, I'm gonna yeah, yes. hit me up. I'll tell you how to get one. But so like, so that, but it's, it's such an important framing, right? That here you have this company trying to sort of spread the cost off of itself, right? For its mm-hmm. these stolen packages. And the repercussions are all the, the benefits are to them and the loss is all to society. Exactly. Right? Like, right. Because now your friend is like fixating, sending you clips and then getting more paranoid by the second where Precisely. you go about every day. Like I'm not chat. I don't have one, but you know, like you, you wouldn't have thought to look who's looking in your front stoop for a second. Right. Right. And so the other story yeah. I tell, yeah, tell me. is uh, my neighbor across the street has one and um, apologies to anyone who's heard the story before, um, so I'll keep it brief. But no, basically, no, tell us. Um, I so someone was egging cars in the neighborhood, right? Yeah. Some mm-hmm. kid, I assume, right? And so, you know, one day it was two houses down, and the next day it was the house next door. And so my turn arrived, and my mm-hmm. car got egged. Um, and so the I came out that morning, and my neighbor across the street who has a ring doorbell says to me, I have the ring footage if you want me to send it to the police. Now, he doesn't know what I do or anything like that. He says, I have, I have the you ring should really, I'd send them, <laughs> can I send them all your pieces? <laughs> Just saying, I have a ready list. Right. Okay. And what did you say? Like in that moment, right? Chris, like, would you like the ring video? I Did you I mean, have I'm, a moment to have at... a talk? You know what I mean? Like, did you no. say, can we talk about surveillance? Like, can we discuss this? I'm very good at hiding my feelings. Uh, okay. So I, I just said, okay. no, no, that's okay. I've got, got some you. white vinegar in the house. and Clean the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I live in, a, in an area that has a, a large Muslim and Arab population. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Very, very large. Yeah. And so there's a strong possibility that it was a, um, a brown kid who did this. Yeah. I mean, again, I, sh- I should stress, I don't know. Yeah. But just based on like percentages. There's yeah. a strong, there's a strong. And this is kid doing egging, you know, right? Like, yeah. 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 So I don't call the police mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. things like that, right? Yeah. Because the, that sort of chain, um, be, um, the, the potential for um, massive damage and harm over a problem that I can solve with paper yeah. towel and white vinegar is not a good equation. So yeah. I don't call, I don't involve the police and things like that. That's yeah. my ethos. Did your neighbors, do we know if they did, just like as a small anecdotal example, just how we're the overcriminalization move that the surveillance is like feeding fear and anxiety that then leads to really stupid, you know, ways in which we're using the criminal law in so destructive ways. So he has a much nicer car than I do. Okay. Um, his car did not. Oh, get the neighbor. Egged. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he did not. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah, but I, you know, I, I just find it so interesting yeah. that, again, previously, if yeah. your house got TP'd or your car got egged or someone t- took your newspaper, things yeah. like that, I mean, um, the, the, the level of harm that that causes 
to me, right, it, yeah. it's a nuisance. Um, yeah. and, and there's a lot of nuisances we just live with. Yeah. That's, it's just, there's a lot, there's some friction in the system. Like it, ha- right. We all absorb a little bit, but if it's not too painful, it's okay. Right. Absolutely. And, and it's, right. it's just not a thing mm-hmm. I would involve the police yeah. in. And again, traditionally it would not have been for almost everyone. Yeah. Um, but this is a way to think about um, sort of the, the ways yeah. that these devices encourage carceral solutions and solutions and quotation yeah. marks. Um, yeah. to, and to that's the most direct, right? That. Yeah. Yeah. And do people yeah. get that? Do you find that when you, cause you give a lot of talks, you, you talk to both students and, you know, fellow you know, colleagues, professors, like uh, companies, do people get it? No, absolutely not. Yeah. No, I, for a couple reasons. Because a thing that people will say is, well, I still need to get my packages. Okay. You know, (laughs) so I'm going to be really paranoid and freaked out. Right. Because I really need my whatever you're getting, you know, your allergy medicine that you can't just go get at the store. But okay. Yeah. And Mm. it's very difficult because um, the other thing, though, is that we, it, it seems as if these things are a solution. But there's no evidence that they are a solution. In fact, yes. you know, Saru's Ferivar did like a, a very yes, well done right. essay where he actually went and talked to law enforcement and asked them. You know, yeah. Alfred Ng has done some great work on this as well. Mm-hmm. And in moments of candor, uh, law enforcement will also tell you this. I mean, mm-hmm. one of the things they yeah. will say is that it involves them in things, yeah. in nuisance things, when, yeah. you know, hopefully they would be doing things that matter a little bit more. Um, But people are very invested Mm. in the idea that it um, is going to solve their problems, keep them safer, protect their packages, things like that. Yeah. They buy Um, that it's making your life better. You know, that that mantra. Mm -hmm. And there are so many other solutions, right? Like if I, you know, I uh, particularly, I mean, in the last three years, lots of people, started to um, get a lot more things delivered yeah. and a lot more things that maybe weren't frivolous, like, you know, prescription medicine, of course. you know, diapers yes. formula, things like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I don't want to discount, I mean, no. I don't use Amazon for the most part. Right. But I'm very lucky. I'm proud of you. I'm that. just saying, I'm proud of you. You I'm don't <laughs> no prime membership. I love yeah. you. I, I aspire to be you. twice a year. You okay. Know? I mean, okay. only if I really, really have to. Yeah. But I'm, you know, I'm lucky to be able to say and do that. Okay. Yeah. So I I will grant that. But the thing is, there are so many other ways to solve this issue if you can't yeah. be home to get your package. Yeah. You can have it delivered to a locker at the grocery store. Yeah. You can ask a neighbor to look out for it. You can, I mean, yeah. on and on. You can schedule it for a time where you will be home, right? Like if you trust Amazon, you can have them put it in your garage, you know. I mean, yeah. there are yeah. all kinds of things you can do that don't create um, like another layer of, of layer of surveillance that yeah. has all these other um, negative implications. Yeah. And, and what do you make of the, you so, so the folks that respond to you, like, I need to get my packages. I bet the same people say like, I need to have my Fitbit Apple watch, <laughs> right? That is, I'm thinking we can extend your thinking, and, and this is no doubt in the book, right, that that our Fitbit is sending off wrong signals just as 
period tracking apps are. You know what I mean? They're going to say like, oh, yeah. you're likely to have polycystic, you know, um, problems with your ovaries and like over diagnosing women running to doctors in droves because the period tracking app said, I think I have, you know, polycystic ovaries. And they're like, no, you don't. And, and making everyone really paranoid about their health. Like what are the, a solution you don't need to a problem you don't have, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. And right? I, again, like, Chris, I don't want to steal your phrases. The, no, a lot no. of these amazing phrases come from Chris, just saying. I mean, the, I mean, I feel right. Uh, yeah. The research I've read um, very much says that there are not strong correlations between these things yeah. and better health outcomes. Yeah. Um, so having a Fitbit or an Apple watch yeah. that tracks your steps or, you know, your heart rate or things like that um, mostly doesn't make you a healthier person. I mean, yeah. uh, along the lines of the ring. Um, but one of the things it does do is make yeah. you more anxious about the things you are doing. Yeah. Um, you know, and as you said, I mean, there are people going to doctors all the time. Um, you know, doctors aren't really um, often, uh, it's not, the information isn't set up in a way that it's easily accessible to doctors. And often, again, it's not telling yeah. people the information that they they want or need. Um, and, um, you know, there's the, all uh, to, to bring in a whole nother thing. I mean, there's yeah. the ways that many of these devices often don't work with dark yeah. skin, you know, yes. with Let's, marginal, yeah. you know, I mean, there's all of this stuff, right? Let's talk, can, can we talk a little bit about your opposition to facial recognition software and um, why I think you think we should just ban it, like and be done with it, right? Yeah. Like as Woody and Evan would say, and you might say, right? Um, I think people really don't appreciate the risks and the disproportionate impact that we're not reading black female faces correctly. We're, we're not reading black and brown male faces, correct. Right. Like that yeah. is these, this stuff is not working because we're not building it. Right. We're not building right. with the right data. So maybe like, let's sit with this for a second. Cause I think most people say, oh, it scares me, but not enough to think it's pernicious, you know? Yeah. And so, well, so, you know, I live in Detroit or, or where about, you know, thereabouts, um, which is home to two of the really high profile cases of people who are misidentified by facial recognition, um, you know, arrested, detained, um, you know, and in one case, the only way that the, the, the man knew that he was, um, that this was all the result of facial recognition is because law enforcement slipped up and said, oh, so I suppose the, the computer is wrong. Mm. You know, I mean, yes. it was, it wasn't him. Um, but I, you know, I live in a place where with, with two of the um, very high profile cases, yeah. um, you know, there are several more that we know of. And, you know, just statistically, I'm sure there are dozens, if not hundreds that we don't know of. Right. Um, and so there's that. But <laughs> I also, you know, I, I draw, you know, talk about, um, you know, Hartzog and Selinger all the time in yeah. terms of obscurity, yes. right? which is that, I think when people think and talk about facial recognition and even, you know, kind of privacy and surveillance in general, mm -hmm. operating from a kind of nothing to hide um, perspective, yep. um, I think there's some really basic misunderstandings of those things and of, you know, yeah. people's rights and how rights work and things like that. And yeah. so 
when Hartsock and Salinger talk about obscurity, the way I think about it is yeah. the ability to go about your business um, in a what is supposed to be a free society. I mean, we could right, right, how much that it really sure, is, but, but it's supposed to be a free society. Yeah. I'm like we have made a, a liberal yeah. commitment to it, <laughs> right. supposedly. Yeah. I'm but, supposed to be able to go about my business on, yeah. you know, day to day, um, worship where I want, with whom yeah. I want, you know, go to um, conduct business where I want, um, you know, go to, you know, seek medical care, like yeah. all these things associate with whom I want. Yeah. Um, I'm supposed to be able to do these things free of harassment, yeah. right? And so mm-hmm. me doing them, Right. Like there's no, there's not supposed to be a precondition to me doing them. Like yeah. the, the, the society we live in says I'm supposed to be able to do these things free of harassment, whether, you know, and so, but the other kind of, um, and, and we have countless cases of law enforcement using these tools um, to harass people who are engaging in, you know, often what is constitutionally protected um, activities, um, whether that's protesting, um, you know, again, worshiping, like all these things, like we have countless examples. Yeah. Like Um, the Oregon fusion center is like, you know, that's one, (laughs) there's mm -hmm. so many examples, right? Absolutely. We can go back as far as nine 11, right. In in New York, um, you know, surveillance of, 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 uh, mosques. And so how can we convince people then Chris, like you make such powerful arguments and yet you're faced with a, I need my packages. I, you know, I feel safer. I, you know, like I want to be on top of my steps and it seems like we're fully, so many people are so fully bought in on the notion that it is making their lives better. And you're like, look, I have, I can tell you how it's not, how it's, it is making us profoundly worse, paranoid, more worried, terror, you know, like all these ways in which a deeply unjust society yeah. is resulting. Do you talk to lawmakers? Like, where are you, you know, as you think about your book project and its audience, you know, and the work, mm-hmm. like, are, is the audience everyone all the time? Is it also lawmakers? Have you been working with lawmakers? I actually have never asked you this, Chris. Um do you know what I'm saying? Like in your work, yeah. I'm sure you get contacted by folks working on facial recognition, you know, propositions that either ban it or severely limit its use. Like, do you like doing that work? Do you do that work? Is that part of what you think your mission is? You know, like, cause students always ask, well, how do you see yourself as your role is what you do? And I think yeah. they'd be really interested because you're a deep thinker and you help us craft how we think and how we should respond. But then like, what do you do with that? Right. So I, I have a couple answers to that. Um, I mean, one is that this is a lot of this actually spawned um, me thinking a lot about luxury surveillance, right? Mm-hmm. Because people, it's very hard to convince people who are invested in this that it's not good for them. I yeah. mean, the the metaphor I use often is that there are a segment of people who think they're always going to be on the right end of the camera. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Now we know, right. It's sort of a maxim of, of surveillance and privacy studies that mm-hmm. a lot of the harms of these um, technologies and associated policies are going to fall first, you know, earliest and, and, and most oh, uh, often, deeply right? on mm-hmm. the marginalized, on the most marginalized. Yeah. This is true. 
Okay. Yeah. And I don't want to take anything away from that or diminish that. But um, that doesn't move the needle for a lot of people. Now, right. I would love to live in a society where yeah, I could this, say, yeah. this is bad for women and people would stop doing people it. Would care. This is bad for trans people and people would stop doing it, right? Like yeah. we don't live there. Like yeah. we don't. And so a, a, a thing that I'm partially invested in yeah. is because I've found that unless you can, you know, so we've seen so many times where people will say something like, to the effect of, I didn't realize how misogynist society was until yeah, I had a daughter, world. right? Yeah, right, Chris? <laughs> yeah, you know, um, you know, yes. I didn't realize how racist society was until I had this biracial kid, you know, something yes. like that, right? Totally. Now, yes. if they had just listened to what people said, right, like, for hundreds of years, right? <laughs> but, like, people, unfortunately, yes. like, there are many, many people who I think might tune in if we could um, somehow yeah. tap into um, the ways in which these things are not only harmful um, yeah. for marginalized populations, but I think um, downstream yes. are harmful to everybody. everybody. Yes, right. You know? Like interest convergence theory is depressing, but true, right? Like yeah. I've got to make my case to suit mainstream society so they remotely care. Yeah. It is depressing yeah. that moment, right? But I do think the insight is so important, Chris, as you say, like it's affecting all of us. So everyone pay attention and let me explain to you how, right? Yeah. Versus, you know what I'm saying? Like it's it sounds to me that this is it's the, the argument grows both out of concern for disparately impacted communities, but also for humanity, like human flourishing. You're like, wake up, friends. Absolutely. No? Like, yeah, it's not just strategic. You know, some folks are. Is that strategic? No, it's like, it's the real deal. Or like, this is bad for all of us. And I do, you know, I have had tremendous opportunities to, to speak to policy, you know, people and lawmakers. Yeah. You know, I was able to testify before Congress on, on FinTech. Tell me, um, yeah, see? And, yeah. but totally. some of that is difficult because, you know, there are many of these things. So we've accepted, um, well, that's not the right way to put it. Uh, there's a, a prevailing belief that we have to accept these technologies, right? right. That, mm -hmm. um, you know, they're some, here. What are we right? going to do? <laughs> no, is that right? The... Yeah. I yeah. don't mean, I don't want to get, I don't want to fall too far down that rabbit hole. Right. But there's yeah. a prevailing yeah. belief that if a tech, you know, if a tech company puts out something, like, oh, we've just got to accept it and live with it, right? I mean, yeah. we're seeing that right now with chat GPT, right? Oh, like, I wanted I don't... to invite you to <laughs> reflect on that too. Let's not forget them. Like, there are many of these things yeah. I think should be banned, abolished, like shouldn't exist. Yeah. Um, you know, I think they should be firmly resisted. And so often yeah. when we're talking about policy, um, yeah. it comes a little bit, well, there's often a discussion about how to ameliorate something, right? Yeah, how to yeah. make a thing less harmful. Yes. So like, I, there are things I don't think are um, best, you know, made less harmful. I think they're best, you know, smashed with a, in, in the bits. Um, yes. You know, I, I famously, you know, there was a letter from, from Amazon uh, yeah. workers and engineers yeah. um, to Bezos. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know, five or six years ago. Mm -hmm. Um it seems like forever ago, 
and I, I, I quote this often, um, and it's not the exact wording, but um, there was an Amazon engineer who said in this open letter that yeah. ring doorbell is incompatible with a free society. Yeah. And so I'm not interested in how to make it yeah. better, right? Yes. Like, or um, less, or cleaning up the harm afterwards. After yeah, this. exactly. You know I mean, like, I don't want to throw 3,000 content moderators, my world, right? On it afterwards. Don't build it. Like Facebook yeah. Live, dumb yeah. idea. Yeah. There are so many. And for a lot of these yeah. things, it's yes. not, like, it's very easy to know exactly what's going to go wrong. Yeah. Go wrong is totally. not the right phrase. But, you know, so they, there's this, um, I forget the name of it, but there's now a thing where with a snippet of someone's voice, then you can yeah. um, recreate yeah. their voice reading yeah. or saying anything you want, yeah. right? With yeah. like a 10 Deep second picks. snippet. Yeah. 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 And so that's a bad um, idea. You know, no. somebody can, who's like better <laughs> at thinking about the good parts of things can explain right. to me what the benefits of that are to society. I don't know. But like, yeah. I can really, I mean, really easily tell you all yeah. the terrible ways it's going to be used. And, and notice I didn't say misused, totally. right? Like we can yes. if we think about it air trackers, used. right? Like, yes. <laughs> like it's solving the problem of people misplacing their keys, right? Like, again, yes. maybe it's a much bigger issue than I realize. Um, people need to literally wear, like, <laughs> I wear my keys on my neck. I'm just yeah. saying, you know, like we create these elaborate, you know, I hear you saying, Chris, I know that, you know, we create these elaborate schemes for non-problems mm-hmm. or problems we could solve so much more usefully and ways that are compatible with a free society Right. that we could and, do it another way. We just yeah. don't, right. As you're saying, we don't think about it. We and don't think everyone, to build that other way because it doesn't suit the powerful making these tools. Yeah. Right? Everyone told Apple, you know, um, yep. this is how this is going to be used as a stocking device. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I can I can name quite a few people. I think you. Oh were yeah, part I of was. That, Kohler, yes. Right. Oh like, yes. You know, yes. everyone. Like, bad idea. Yeah. Hello. Yes. And they oh, put it out. I'm with and you. you know, gee, it was immediately became you know because it lowered the barrier to all kinds of um of course harassment, yes right yes. immediately it was used in all the ways that people said it so would the cheapest and easiest gps on your car do you know like you know it's expensive to get a gps to stick under someone's car this is cheap yeah, yeah. you know what i'm saying like you can track location in a ways that are much more precise yeah with those things right stocking's exactly. really easy like we're building these tools like really could do that we're all like we told you <laughs> <laughs> right and but so like things like that like i just yes. don't think it needs to exist you know yes, um, yes. like the use that's... case is very far from where you're thinking mm-hmm. right chris like coming up with the use case is really tough <laughs> like there are right. many things like that it, it, even if there is a use case it's a dumb idea it's yeah. all in bad right yeah so i just want to say to our students and friends on the call, if you have questions, please put them in the chat. Um, I'm going to keep asking if no one does, but I'm I'm looking. I have my chat up, and so when ChatGPT <laughs> tell us your reaction, you know what I mean? Because I'm feeling like I Gosh. could see where your head would blow off, right? Yeah, your fingers were. It's like your. I saw on Twitter. Do you know what I'm saying? Like whenever I don't, when I worried about something, I'm like, what does hypervisible say? Yeah. Tell us your thinking, like what well, are the, because you're a teacher of undergrads, mm-hmm, you know, in yeah. your spirit, you've been doing it for a really long time, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know what I mean? Like the spirit of teaching, 
tell us like how it gave you, it was like a punch. Sounds like it was a punch in the gut to you. Like, yeah, I mean, about why are we building this? This is really dumb, but kind of walk us through your thoughts about the claimed proficiencies of, you know, AI writing cover letters, term papers, like, oi. Yeah. I mean, so I'm going to say something that's probably going to upset a lot of people. Um, first You're off, good company. I piss which everybody is, off. Don't worry. I wish people <laughs> like OpenAI does yeah. not need our help hyping their technology. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I I understand the appeal, you know, and when the new toy comes out, like yeah. I, I get it. But like mm-hmm. the way in which people just grabbed onto it and said, yeah. You know, people, I feel like, like, I, there's a segment of people who are going to do that, right? Mm-hmm. But people, I mm-hmm. feel like, should know better, right? Yeah, like, like don't give them Sam airtime, Altman right? isn't paying me, right? Like, yeah. and, you know, so, like, I'm not doing the job of promoting his product for him, yeah. right? The number yeah. of people who are doing that on social media, um, yeah. you know, in journalism and things like that. If I read one more essay where people say, oh, hey, you know, the first 500 words you just read was written by chat GPT. Like, yes. I'm going to pull my hair out. Like, if you yes. don't know, like dreadlocks, it'd be really messy. Like, but if I see <laughs> one more essay, like I'm going to do that. Yeah. Um, and, and why so- is that? It's just because people feel like it's going to be clicked and liked and shared. Do they really buy it? You know what I'm saying? Like, um, is the harm not evident, you think? Enough? Well, there's a little bit, you know, um, uh, so, you know, I, I just wrote an essay about this um, in Slate um, with a buddy of mine, um, Pete Rohrbach, and we mentioned, and I'm going to butcher it. I didn't see, name. I didn't, I'm excited. I'm ready to read it. I didn't know oh, that. Yeah. I sent like 10 pieces to my, all my beloved LaTeX fellows and students, but I will send this to him. Yeah. We, we mentioned, I'm going to butcher his name and I apologize. Um, uh, in in advance, um, LM Sakasis. Okay. Um, you does, may be right. Don't worry. He mm-hmm. does a. He did a, a. He's probably tired of people referring to it, but he did an essay mm-hmm. where he talked about the board complex, right? Mm-hmm. Which is this idea where people say um, it, it's some iteration of, well, it's out here and it's not going anywhere. Yeah. And so we have yep. to deal with it. Yep. And so that's. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's an. It, there's like a kernel of truth in that, you know, yeah. but again, like I wrote a, a thing with uh, David Golombi on this, right? Like yes. the idea, well, I'll, I'll put it this way. Again, mm-hmm. a, an, an analogy or a metaphor I've, I've used very often. If I opened a new restaurant and, um, you know, created some new substance that I said was edible. Yeah. Right. And started poisoning people. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> You know, well, he would shut I you down pretty fast, no? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. like, it's yeah. not like improvement when I, you know, put out the next version and says, now poisons 20% fewer people, right? Yeah. Like, right. You know, no that's one's going to point. say, like, yes, I mean, but that's evocative, say, right? Yeah. That way you're framing it. <laughs> but we really... do that with technology constantly. That's right. Right. Mm-hmm. And we also, you know, so this, yes. the board complex idea is that. So if if like a tech company puts something out, like resistance is futile, right? Now yeah. oh, we have like it's not going anywhere, but like we have, uh, I mean, it's unfortunately been sort of um, truncated because of the way our government doesn't function currently. But we have a long history of banning things. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like Like we don't walk around with plutonium. Yes. Yes. I mean, there is a history of like regulation and Mm -hmm. banning or severely restricting. There's all these ways that we look at um, technologies as substances, at behaviors Mm -hmm. and say, oh, well, maybe that's not good for society. And I'm simplifying it, of course. Right. But there, like, is there, there's a, his, we, it's a thing that happens. Yeah. You know, it happens less now (laughs) for reasons, but it's a thing that happens. And so this idea that we have to be subject to the whims of um, these companies when they put out things that are harmful. And they're like fools, you know what I'm saying? But (laughs) Um, right. It's like a tech fatalism. Have you called it that? I feel like that's what you're describing. Exactly. It's not just deterministic. It's like we're fatalistic. Like we're running off the cliff with both hands. Like, woohoo, let's let's jump off a cliff (laughs) here together. No, I mean, I'm a writing teacher. And so I, you know, I think that there are some very, very crucial and essential ways in which writing by ourselves and with others Mm -hmm. helps kind of shape our thinking and our understanding and helps us come to some manner of truth and like kind of realize what we think about something. Yeah. And um, I'm not ready to give that over to a technology that, um, you know, really is like a, a, like super complex autocomplete. Right. Like, and like, I'm not, you know, like I'm like, I made that observation Yes. And then I saw that Gary Marcus said it. And then I saw that um, Arvin. No, but it's it's um, true. Like, that it it's, captures it. No, yeah. like, I feel like it's well done. You always and, do that. You capture stuff. And this is your power. I mean, I think, Chris, I don't want, I don't want chat GPT for you. I want you. That yeah. is your writing has always evocatively captured the perils, the promise, the perils, and the like pause friends, because this is where we're headed. And God forbid we lose that voice. You know what I'm saying? Like that is as you're a writing teacher and you're teaching the next generation of, you know, people following in our footsteps, doing what we're doing and helping teach and evangelize and help them understand the world around us. It would be depressing to think we would ever turn it over. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, God forbid. I mean, I just encourage anyone listening to think about the uh, insights you've had when you work through something, whether that's yeah. journaling or, you know, drafting or, you know, collaborative writing, right. To like, I, the joy, I, you know, right? yeah, I, I can't stress enough, like how important yeah. that is Yeah, and to, um, to hand that over to a machine. Right. Cause I, cause yeah. I immediately like saw miss people all of saying, yeah. right. Well, it can draft for you. Right. Like someone took the slate piece that I wrote with P mm, and yeah. asked chat GPT to grade it and chat mm. GPT like assigned it a like a B minus or something and the critique that it had mm. actually yeah. wanted me to write it as a five paragraph theme right mm. so like mm-hmm. right as someone who's writing like that's kind of offensive totally. <laughs> like, but well, wow you know what I'm but, saying like I yeah um so but also the yeah. other thing as is, if that's like insightful, meaning yeah. like we automation bias, like on drugs or something like that. We think that actually is right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in credence to this critique, it should be five paragraphs, you know, B minus. <laughs> like, did you not read what we wrote? 
I mean, that's the thing. And then people don't learn like these skills. So we've got some questions from our students. Oh, I I have like a tiny little bit more I want to say about. Yeah, please, please. And then I got the other, you know, I, I, I worry too about the ways that uh, I mean, so it's, you know, as other people have said, like, um, yeah. it's like a very confident um, bullshitter. Yeah. So, oh, um, I love that. Confident ways, bullshitter. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, the totally. ways. So it spouts what seem to be answers that are often inaccurate, but yeah. also it's like words. It's potential. It good. Yeah. yeah. To massively lower the barriers to produce yeah. mounds and mounds of, um, hate speech and misinformation, you know, to like ease, you know, to, to make those things so much easier and lower their barriers, you know, to like, and fill the the internet, which is already like, it's already bad. Yeah. To completely overwhelm us with, with trash. Um, I mean, not even to talk about like the surveillance aspects, like, like on and on. Um, so yeah. Okay. So I'm going to tell you, there's, questions that I want to take like pieces of and present them. And then you can just, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't want yeah. like three ideas and then you just respond, right? Like, or think, you know, like if any of it is interesting, so they're all really interesting, but like that would get you excited to talk about. So is there anything we can do about the problem of being a guest in someone's house when a person has an Alexa and a baby camera and a ring? <laughs> and then of course, gaining access, this is what these are my students. I love these people, <laughs> biometric yeah. data. Are there things we can do to adopt social norms or enforce social norms against surveillance? Are there sort of rights for guests to insist upon almost like along licensee lines? So that's one question. Another is, are there any upsides to any of this? Like, do you believe all surveillance is bad? Are there ways in which surveillance could be beneficial to society? So, you know, public health sector uses to monitor diseases like COVID and, and, and is there for you any interventions that you think are worthwhile? And you know, how can we take steps for my students, right, to inform people about the harms of surveillance? Like, do you have a charge for them? So those yeah. are the three wonderful kind of questions we've taken in there. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna take that second one first. Okay. Um, it's the one I get. Yeah, you time. get that all the time. No, and, I'm sure. Yeah. And so, you know, like. Me, I mean, my, my short answer is no, right? Like, because, uh, you know, and so I'm thinking when I think about surveillance, I'm thinking about it in some very specific terms. Right. Um, and so if you want to talk about disease surveillance, like I'm obviously not going to say like, you know, it's a bad idea for people to track diseases, you know, um, in, in society. Um, but I'm not thinking about it like that. Like, I'm thinking about it, you know, when we can look at the last three years and think about how effective or not all the tech bro interventions um, were for for tracking and stopping COVID, right? Like mm-hmm. kiosks with facial recognition mm-hmm. and th- thermometers, yeah. like yeah. Uh, apps on your phone that are supposed to be contact tracing, yes. at, like all those things. Like, mostly they didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um you know, like we have established yeah. methods for some of these things. Yeah. And if there was like investment and political will in doing them, like we yeah. would, and, and also in doing some of the things that we know would curtail, you know, or, or help curtail the disease. Um, but we don't do those things. Right. And so there's this sense that um, 
uh, like there's a technological fix for things that there's often not. But the, yeah. the way I describe the surveillance I'm thinking about, right, um, yeah. is that, I mean, I've, I, I've said this before, which is um, surveillance always finds its level, right? Yeah. And mm -hmm. so we, we talked about this before. Yeah. So the idea that we're going to somehow leverage these systems that are in the hands of like very powerful um, yeah. and, and, you know, very powerful institutions with a seemingly endless supply of money that we're going to somehow um, leverage them into our favor. Like it's, I mean, I, I, I don't want to say this in an offensive way, but it's pure fantasy, right? It's like infinitesimally like, small or yeah. something. Right? Like mm -hmm. we know that, right. For instance, um, if we look at all the um, sort of crime that we think about in terms of um, someone yeah. going into like shoplifting and things like that, we know that like wage theft or um, I forget, I've, I've lost the term, but for like civil forfeiture, things like yes. that, mm -hmm. like white collar crime dwarfs those things, right? Exponentially. Yeah. yeah. But there are no, um, you know, there's not cameras that are trained on those people, you know. Totally. And there could be. <laughs> right? You know what I'm like, saying? If you think yeah. about the surveillance, like could be, but yeah. they're right? not always. I mean, we had this them. discussion with body cams. And, yeah. you know, there have certainly been some instances, I mean, relatively isolated, though, where yeah. the body cam footage has been leveraged in a way that helps people seek justice. Yeah. But more often than not, police have developed all kinds of means to circumvent that. And then there's the question about control of the foot. Like, there's all these, I mean, yeah. in short, like, it, no, it didn't do what people hoped it would do. It never was going to do that, like, honestly, mm -hmm. and it's not going to do that. And yeah. so the ways in which, like, um, the Because it's not the cameras you're saying, it's the people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Is that your um, And so right. mm -hmm. I, but, you know, I, I think another thing, right, if you um, are super invested, if for, if for some reason you need, you feel like you need cameras on yeah. your property or things like that, go mm -hmm. ahead and do that, right? But- there's a, I think, a huge difference between doing that and having like a server like in a cabinet in your basement or something like that, yeah. you know, and like involving um, Amazon and like a police fusion center and things like that. Like yeah. those are two very different things. Yeah. And so if people are really invested in like surveillance for one reason or another, it's like yeah. um, I would encourage them to think about this. But the other thing too is, We've seen lots of instances where, like, what's supposed to be good surveillance, right? Yeah. Giving um, ring doorbells to women who are... Um, yeah, um, domestic violence. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. But, like, uh, I mean, I encourage people to go look at what happens in those cases, right? In many yeah. cases, too, like, part of that cycle is that the yeah. um, violent um, offender often uses those devices... Yeah. as a means to further terrorize their partner, yeah. right? I, yeah. I mean, I-, I And all about many whole, tools, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so my short answer is no, right? Yeah. Like, I don't, um, I, I, I think there's lots of empirical evidence. Um, it, well, let me, let me put it another way. If it did what it was supposed to do, 
like the UK would be the safest place in the world, right? So like, true. Yeah, like yes. there's all these, yes. like we have- They're way ahead of us enough, on the camera thing, yeah, right? We have enough information. Um, yeah. We have enough data to know that it actually doesn't do the thing that yeah. we're told that it does, right? Yeah. But it's a it's an overwhelmingly powerful narrative um, that it does. Yeah. Um, you know, we have decades of police procedurals and other things, um, you know, novels. Yeah, like suggesting like otherwise, stuff, right? right? That tells us it does. It doesn't. I mean, it, it doesn't. Right. Um, I'll take the first one. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. the baby uh, monitor. That's a really slash, difficult question. How do right? we resist it when it's yeah. literally in the built environment? I found that I had a Alexa in a hotel room <laughs> to tell this story in my fight for privacy in my new book. Yeah. And I went marshmallow self downstairs <laughs> to the, you know, front desk and has anyone ever complained i unplugged it and they're like you're the first ever i was like oh my you're like <laughs> it was in the built environment of my hotel room yeah like i had to unplug it it was it was, yeah. it was the phone that it was it was you know i was playing that role i mean there's a super interesting there's a lot of stuff coming out now about how people are basically abandoning voice assistants yeah. um they're they're um i mean amazon at one point was basically giving them away right yeah um, yeah. because the, the thought was that once everyone had one, that they would use them and become indispensable. Yeah. And people use them to turn on the lights and, you know, occasionally like play music or whatever. Yeah. Um, so they're, but I mean, I, I will just I say feel this, hopeful like, over that. My mother-in-law yeah. gave me her, whatever it was, it's over there, her Amazon echo. I have it here. It's on Yeah. Meaning it, it's my deal toy. It's my, I convinced my mother-in-law not to have this. And she is, you know, gave it to me. He's like, throw it away. I was like, I'm just going to keep it for fun. <laughs> it's not plugged in. It's my see proof. We can convince people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not to have it. I mean, I'm very strident. Using it less. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's it really. I didn't realize that. that there I'm were very strident. Like, I mean, I know I, I mentioned my friend who had the ring doorbell. I yeah. mean, if he lived near me, I would probably have a different response and just talk. encouraging him to not have it but yeah. um i don't have friends with those devices i mean like i like, you convince them they i them. yeah um right chris yeah i i mean there's a, a degree in which kind of well this is going to be this is going to sound difficult given how i've spent the last 45 minutes but like i don't spend a lot of time trying to tell people um in my in my circle what yeah, they should like and shouldn't every have, day. Yeah. right because i don't feel like it's very effective yeah um like don't have that throw it away yeah yeah go okay. i guess um piggybacking off of some of the luxury surveillance stuff yeah. is that people who don't spend um you know uh, unhealthy amounts of time reading about these things yeah don't know like kind of the downstream effects right so yep. if i were to tell someone who has That's an right. alexa do you know that um amazon's also buying up like one of the things that amazon yeah. hopes to do right and they're getting into healthcare is yes. to use this device yeah, for themselves no? you, right yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, you're not, it's not, that's not going to be you between you and your medical provider, right? Yeah. Like that's not. There is no HIPAA involved right? there. There are like, no protection. Yeah. Like good luck with that friends. Yes. Right. Do you know that, you know, um, Amazon's data protection privacy policies um, and how. Um, They're not good. Not yeah, in the US. Yeah. Yes. Um, do you know, you know, like, yeah. are, are you comfortable with the idea that Amazon now owns your kid's voice? 
right? Those are the kinds of things I would say to them, right? I yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't center it on like why yeah. I, I don't want it, right? I would center yeah. it on the ways in which, you know, it's like, it's, it's serving Amazon and not them. Yeah. Like, I don't right. remember the third question. I'm sorry. I didn't write it down. It, no, you, you've, you've helped us here, which is the ways for students and then future lawyers yeah. to convince people. And I think you've given us a, a wonderful key, which is like, give examples of things that you think could, would hit them in the gut. Like, are you giving Amazon your kid's voice? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like in ways that to try to get people to see it from their selfish perspective, so that they can see why it's bad for all of us. No, yeah. I mean, that's what I took yeah. you to be saying. Like, mm-hmm. this yeah. is what you're doing. Cause you're not, you know, that was the last question was like, how do we convince people? Um, and you've, you've given us important keys to, to do that. It's like one person at a time, even if with your friends, you don't want to thrust yourself on them. But like, if we can use examples that help show, show the interest convergence, like that they should care. Cause it could really hurt them in the long run that it helps all of us. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'm out of time now. Um, so w- Chris, thank you. Um, oh, I thank you to a, be your biggest fan pleasure. among your biggest fans. We're many of us. Um, but it's really a treat. And thank you so much, Rebecca Claff and Peter Conklin for making this happen and our law tech fellows. And we appreciate you at UVA law. So I'm going to be sending you also UVA law swag, Chris. Um, oh yeah. We'll, oh, that's so we'll exciting. Offline, totally. We'll offline. You'll tell me your address so I can send it yeah. to you. Cause you're always busy sending me things. I'm going to be sending you a great sweatshirt. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. Of course. So thank you so much for tonight. It's been such a treat. Thank you very much.